Guys, what happened last time on, on Undercooked Analysis? <clears throat> <clears throat> on the last episode of Undercooked Analysis... I woke up to the most bone-chillingly fucked-up thing I had ever seen. It was surreal. The fucking image of it. Every time I sleep. So this guy figured out what a wet dream is. Okay. Because <laughs> it chilled his bone? It chilled his bone. Oh God! It's warm. It's warm at first, but after you sleep for a while, it's it's it you know becomes room temperature. Like this chilled my bone. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, believe it or not, I don't have a can of ginger ale in front of me, but I have this. Uh, I have root beer now, so that's close, kind of. Uh, it's it's certainly old timey, but it's still delicious. Actually, some ginger ale is also delicious. Yes, but thank it is. You. I was about to but say, ginger, but ginger ale Don't is delicious. Don't the ginger ale. Ginger ale is not delicious in a soda type of way, and root beer is. You know. Good point. Good point. It's kind of it's kind it's kind of like it's more of like a tea slash coffee kind of. It's in that world more than it is in the soda world. Yeah. It's an ale after it's it's an ale. And it's like... uh, if I can if I can get my plug out of the way real quick. Yeah. Why uh, not? Uh, left Hand Brewing Company Milk Stout Nitro. Good shit. You heard it here. Maybe not first, but some of you must have. So there you go. So I was um. Walking through the hat store, to, I was um, walking <laughs> through the woods with my girlfriend, and just kind of marveling at nature and being like, "Hey, this needs to be protected." And it got me thinking about Captain Planet and how, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, as walking in the woods will have you do. I, I just imagine that Captain Planet, like that—that's that's how you know you have a good park when Captain Planet is your like forest ranger. <laughs> Um, it got me thinking about Captain Planet and how much I fucking hate Captain Planet because he's so preachy and mm-hmm. it's like man I, I just don't like being preached to and I think kids don't like being condescended to Yeah. and it and it got me thinking of like what if Captain Planet like had messaging that wasn't good what if like Captain Planet was like pushing a really specific agenda so he's like still Hey, pollution is wrong, and we should protect the environment. But like Captain Planet is super homophobic. <laughs> oh my god! He's just, it's like, oh god! Thank God we took care of of that polluter. He was so fucking gay. <laughs> Remember to always put your cans in recycling, and it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> Oh God! That, remember to put your remember to put your your remember to put your cans into the recycling and the penis only into the vagina. <laughs> cans in the recycling in the recycling and no penises in the can. <laughs> so here remember, we are. They're putting remember. all the toxins in the water and it's turning our frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids, you want to put all your plastic recyclables in a very specific container. P in the V. Remember that. It's, it's very important <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> uh, 
I thought I thought that got homophobic. Got off to quite a classy start on this ship. I thought I thought homophobic Captain Planet would have more staying power, but we ran out of ideas for homophobic Captain Planet pretty quick. It happened pretty quick. I, I, but I the con- the concept makes me so happy. <laughs> I still think it's funny. I, I grew up in an era where the two things I know Ted Turner for are Captain Planet and WCW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I can't. I can't believe Captain Planet never showed up on an episode of Monday Night Nitro. That oh, that tonight, was... tonight on Monday Night Nitro, homophobic Captain Planet versus a Robocop. In a Judy Bagwell on a pole. No, it's perfect. Captain Planet would like tag team with old school Sting when he had like when he was like the radical Sting, like the original Sting. Right. Sting in the police. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop fucking with the Sting. I. No, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's why I create. It's why I started this. So. A man named Sting. <laughs> Homophobic Captain Planet. <laughs> the man called Sting. <laughs> um, we're on part two of the chanting in the woods, and the chanting in the woods is to summon a homophobic Captain Planet because you know the homophobic planeteers are there doing their thing out in the woods. That's what I. That's where the story is leading us. I'm sure. Earth, wind, fire, traditional values. <laughs> You know, I want to get I want to get something out of the way while, while I have people listening to my voice. Uh, if you if you ever want comedy in your life, if if you're feeling down in the dumps and you need something to pick pick yourself up, go to YouTube and find any wrestling match that Dusty Rhodes called in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> if I can if I can say two of my favorite moments, uh, there is a cruise ah, there, cool. there is. There is a cruiserweight match going on between someone and professional wrestler Mikey Whipwreck. And uh, one of the announcers was talking about uh, what it means to be a cruiserweight and like how the weight limits. And Dusty Rhodes just pipes up, you know, that Mikey Whipwreck has got a big butt. <laughs> I kind of I doubt him being a cruiserweight. What with all the big buttedness? <laughs> oh. My other favorite moment, and I haven't been able to find video of it, but I remember it so vividly, is there was a wrestler named Raparka. Laparka. Raparka. Laparka. Raparka is the sequel to Laparka. For those of you who don't know Spanish, Laparka is the Reaper. It means means the coat. Laparka, well, I don't know if you're trying to make a do- joke, David, but you did, because, like, Laparka kind of looks like Reaper. <laughs> I'm not joking, David, it's I, true. I just looked him up, you're right. Yeah. So, Laparka, uh, he, he's dressed in, like, this full, like, luchador skeleton costume, and in his entrance, he would come out of the mist. And one time he did this entrance, and Dusty Rhodes went, A ghost! Sounding totally serious. <laughs> and the other announcer, also sounding totally serious, went, No, Dusty, it's Laparka. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just completely sandbagging, like the most animated 
uh, wrestling announcer of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, er- everyone remember- remembers he he's got a he's got a bicycle. <laughs> it's like it's a Sasquatch, and it's like no no no, it's a guy dressed up as a mummy. What the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> Dusty? Dusty Rhodes, oh my god! Like if, if sincerely, time, we miss one, you so much. I love that man, and I'm gonna get one more out of the way because it was a match between Kevin Sullivan and Chris <laughs> in a Falls Count Anywhere match, <laughs> and at the time, while this feud was happening, was while it came out that Chris Chris had been dating Nancy Sullivan in real life, Kevin's wife, and. So there was, like, legit animosity, and they were, like, legit beating the shit out of each other. And it was a false Count Anywhere match, and they just beat the shit out of each other all over the arena. And the fight ended up in the bathroom. And, like, people started coming into the bathroom to watch the fight. And there's just this brutal fucking fight going on. And you just hear Dusty go, there's a lady in the man's bathroom! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, Dusty, you, do you want to lead us into this story, though? Because oh, my God, read it. Because there's a lot of it. There's a lot. Oh, more. my God. For, for, for reminder's sake, this was uh, uh, the second part of a story sent to us by Abysme. Thanks, Abysme. Um, we're yeah, liking Alan, it. I got this. Alan, read it this Dusty. Uh, my, my Dusty. My Dusty accent is spotty, but I can see if I can. Spotty. My brain immediately. My brain immediately thirds itself into full function, baby. Beyond consciousness and straight into full-fledged fight-or-flight mode. Uh, cold, rough hand forced its way over my mouth and shoved my face into my old mattress. Fuck it like a monkey. I felt a body much larger than mine bear down on me. I felt the jagged kneecap ram itself directly into my stomach as I was then pulled out of my bed and wrestled into a standing position. Man, this is a lot like my Leon felt. <laughs> <laughs> The cold hand still holding my mouth shut after another hand wedging my left hand directly behind my back and pulling upwards until the pain became so unbearable. I thought my arm was going to come off, baby. Holy shit. Holy shit. That kind of worked. Right? That's like a standing position. Like, that sounds like dusty commentary. (laughs) Holy shit. Is our narrator Dusty Rhodes? It sounds like Dusty trying to call a move he doesn't know the name of. Yeah. Well, now we, guys, now we know why he did Dusty, a flippy thing. Now we know why Dusty Rose never sleeps with his window open. Because he's dead. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Now we, at the time. That just fell out of me. <laughs> you, wait a second. Do you think they buried him in a coffin, or did they cremate him and then call him Dusty Rhodes? <laughs> ashes to ashes. Dusty to Dusty. Dusty, Dusty. A voice whispered in the ear. Sure is hot here in heaven. (laughs) His breath was ice cold. Yes, said another voice across the room. My eyes were well adjusted to the darkness as it was, and I could see, through the moonlight shining through my now-opened window, a man wearing a horrible, horrible mask. At first I thought it... it <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> no, Dusty, it's Larkin. <laughs> like so and so. At first, I thought he had the head of a goat, but I knew better. The, go- 
I'm sorry that still gets to me. Oh, the goat stared with lifeless marbles where its eyes should have, should have been. Its head was a mask made out of the severed head of a goat, or a ram, not properly stuffed and half-rotted. Its horns curled into spirals jutting off its head, and random patches of the fur were missing, simply to show raw, blistering skin. I tried to scream, but the hand over my mouth tightened uh, its grip. My arm behind my back pulled to near breaking point. Scream, and we will kill you, the voice whispered into my ear. <clears throat> my eyes couldn't, no, they wouldn't, break away from that horrible person wearing the severed goat's head as a mask. He was shirtless, wearing a necklace of what appeared to be bones. He was horribly emaciated, and there were two markings all up and down his torso. In his right hand, he held a knife about the size of my forearm. Its build wasn't like any knife I had ever seen. It took a step closer to me and pressed it up against my throat. The steel was bitterly cold, and the tip of the blade was sharper than anything I ever felt. It would take less than four ounces of pressure to open my throat, and I knew that I, and they knew that I knew it. I couldn't cry. I couldn't even breathe. In its other hand, it held a basic candle. It was a basic-ass candle. It was like a bitch-ass candle. It wasn't an advanced candle. It didn't have yes. any scent in it or whatsoever. It didn't smell like vanilla or strawberry or whatever. Or lavender or lilac or lavender lilac. Or honeydew mm. or mango. What we're trying to say is they didn't visit Yankee Candle. Yeah. They just went to Walmart. Tomorrow, Boo. tomorrow, the thing said, his voice muffled by the lifeless dead goat mask. You will exit your house at midnight. You will drop. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. What? <laughs> you, you will exit your house at midnight. You will light this candle. Place it on the ground in the center of your yard, and you will sit behind it, cross leg, legs crossed, right foot on top of your left knee, and vice versa. If you don't do this, the voice That's whispered. The... Is that or is that the same thing, or is it a different voice? Uh, yeah. Okay, I guess it's the same voice. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. If you don't do this, the voice whispered into my ear. The blood of your loved ones will be on your hands. Dusty, this is the voice of God. The goat man quickly retreated, retreated the blade from my neck. I don't know remember what happened next. I don't know or remember what happened. Um, I feel like the, the grammar is getting kind of bonkers. A little bit. Yeah. What do we think of this Goatman encounter, though? Uh, I like it. Yeah, I'm into it. You will... Tomorrow, you will go... <laughs> tomorrow, you will go out into the woods, pull down your pants, and jerk off your pee-pee while making <laughs> gibbering noises. <laughs> the origin of the gibbering jerker, like we said. Well, I will extract my mouse. What? <laughs> now you will, ex you will exit. Uh huh. The house. Right. At midnight. No, I'm lost. God, God damn it! <laughs> uh, 
Whopper! Can, can, can you just take off the like? I'll I'll close my eyes. Just take I'll, off the mask. I'll, I'll turn around. <laughs> yeah. I remember feeling so betrayed, so alone by the unfairness of that. I argued with him that everything I was seeing and hearing. Uh, I argued with him that everything. Whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, Hold on, there, calamity, Jim. Skip the paragraph. Back, whoa, back it up, whoa! Back it up, back it up, okay, back it up, here, here's my problem. Here's my problem. Both of those paragraphs begin with "I remember." Yep. Do you remember when we fell no. in love? Do you remember the time September? September. I remember waking up in my bed, panting and crying. Hmm? For the past two years, I've remembered to retweet uh, on the 21st night of of September that song. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh, Why are we so musical all of a sudden? My dad came... My, uh, I remember waking up in my bed, panting and crying. My dad came in to see what was wrong with me. And when I told him, he told me it was just a nightmare. At this point, he sat down at the end of my bed. He looked very wary, like he didn't want to say what he was about to say. He rubbed his eyes with his fist and wearily explained to me that this was, this all, uh, this, that this was all me stressing out over the divorce. Uh, that maybe we should look into talking to a therapist about these voices and hallucinations I've been having. I remember feeling so betrayed, so alone by the unfairness of that. I argued with him that everything I was seeing and hearing was true, but it was too late. He and Mom talked it out. My behavior, my claims. They think I was losing my shit over the divorce. Their minds are made up. Nothing I was going to say would have convinced them otherwise. And of course, in hindsight, it only made perfect sense. Who would believe a nine-year-old when they say that there there were vo- there were voices? Another weird grammar. I hear voices in my head. I can't believe they understand. They talk to me. Mom, I just want a Pepsi. She was like, "No, you're on drugs." <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I just want a uh, ginger ale. <laughs> or, or, or as I say every time he enters. I hear voices in my head. They mostly talk about their work. They're boring me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember feeling so betrayed, so alone by the unfairness of that. Uh, Did you just read this? No. Yes. Wait. Oh, my God. We're going. Fuck. Okay. We really like reading that paragraph, guys. <laughs> we're all fighting over it. <laughs> Listeners, are they're going to be like, Mom, Dad, Dad again, <laughs> stop fighting, please. I was silent the whole day. Cash sat with me in my room as I wasted the daylight playing video games. I didn't speak to my old man, not once. I could see the weary looks on his face, and he'd walk by my room. But he didn't want to press the issue. He looked just as defeated as I did. He spent most of his time on the phone. It wasn't until later that day I found myself recalling what the goat said uh, thing said to me before everything went dark, that I had to light a candle at midnight. But when I woke up that morning, there was nothing in my room. 
there was a sudden sense of hope because I searched around my room trying to find his candle. It was nowhere to be found. Never, even to this day, I have searched so hard for something only to be fran- uh, to be frantically pleased by the end result. Frantically pleased, that's strange, but I guess it makes sense. Um, this, this again, is kind of like let's let's have child do thing that isn't necessarily wrong but is potentially dangerous if that makes any sense and i like that yeah 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 i know it's good i don't, I don't want you to add it's it's your it, it. yeah we picked an episode with a really good story to put a bunch of bullshit in here Yep. And I feel like this is mostly my fault for like, hey, guys, we need to push Mormonism hard. <laughs> no one's buying it anymore. We need to push it hard. If we just push if we just push Mormonism, everyone will like Mormonism. <laughs> you don't like what you think you like. You like Roman Reigns and Mormonism. <laughs> it was gone have I been alleviated from the duties imposed on me on these by these strange interlopers the relief was unbelievable like I was severed from a horrible burden even the thought of being forced to see a shrink didn't seem so harsh compared to the prospect that I might that maybe these attackers were really just a bad dream a severely realistic dream mind you but a dream nevertheless maybe, maybe the whole situation really was over Maybe these horrible people did move on, and that the goat man was simply a mental projection of my own imaginative explanations toward whether whatever it was though, that those unnatural proceedings just beyond my sights were. You know, speculation. <laughs> That's a weird um, paragraph. Maybe these horrible people did move on. I think um, uh, strange interlopers sounds like a, a really hilarious B tier knockoff of uh, like a, a horror movie, like a. It's a Stranger Things uh, ripoff. No, I'm thinking more like uh, the Visitors or something like that. Oh, okay. It's like the Interloper. <laughs> I was gonna say though that I think Strange Interlopers sounds familiar to me. I'm trying to. Oh, you know what? That was my band in college. Hmm. Mm. Uh, they opened for Nightfall came, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nightfall came. Show. And for the first time in a week, uh, I felt no fear at the prospect of it. That felt good. Like, things are going back to normal. But I was wrong. I was so wrong. When I placed my head on my pillow, eyes already closed, palms sweaty, consciousness already drifting away, mom's spaghetti, I felt a lump under my pillow. It was mom's spaghetti. Curiously, I reached it already, and there was already something I felt. Something long and smooth. Mom's spaghetti. I pulled out a candle. A tall, thin wax candle with a nice, long wick. It was red already, just like the one that God, uh, the goat, <laughs> that goddamn goat man, the goat man was holding. My heart sank. My mouth went dry. Tears ran down my cheeks. <laughs> Oh, God, man. <laughs> and, and and in the moment, 
I relived the entirety of last night all over, down to the very last detail where the guy holding me whispered in my ear how the blood of ones I loved would be on my hands. Suddenly, I was back in hell. I was back in the realm of terror. How did they get the candle under my pillow? Had I overlooked this the whole time? That's a really good paragraph. Mm -hmm. And I have no further analysis of like, but that's that's good. Like, oh no, all of this was real. How did they get this candle under my pillow? I mean, I hide under my pillow from what I thought I'd saw, but Granny Pie said that wasn't the way to deal with fears at all. She said, (laughs) I lay in bed until midnight. I didn't dare close my eyes for fear of being held at knife point again. Her fear of coming face to face with that horrible goat creature. The night was silent. No crickets, no birds, nothing. Dead silence. The curse of Mary Shaw. I could see that it had turned 1201. The memory of the goat mask in my mind uttering its instructions to me over and over again. Go outside. Light the candle and sit behind it. Do you know the blood of my loved ones will be on my hands? At the time, I didn't know what it meant to have blood on your hands. The following day, I would learn exactly what it meant. This is how we go. Around ten minutes in, I mustered up the courage to walk over to my window and look out it. What I saw choked me on the spot. Side by side at the entrance of the woods, I saw men, shadowed by the night, standing side by side. There must have been twenty of them. None of them were saying anything. They were all dead silent, and I could feel their eyes on me. It was just as strong as when I felt the eyes of the dolls on me back at their back at their sight. In a way, they felt like the same presence, the same intelligence. I can't explain. And then I saw him, the goat man, or rather, the silhouette of him, standing in the center of the figures. He was still, still as a stone. But I could make out that face shape, the jutting horns. I could make it all out. I chickened out. I couldn't go out there. I just couldn't. I hid in my bed, blanket over, blankets over my head, and I shut my eyes tight, crying all night. Emo lyrics. I didn't fall asleep until I heard the early morning, bo- early morning birds, early morning birds. <laughs> early morning birds. I was awake by 11:30. Shortly after breakfast, I heard my dad shouting in the front yard. I went out to see what was happening. What it was that had him so upset. As I went out the front door, I could hear him more clearly. I could hear pain in his voice. A knot formed in my throat, and a harrowing sensation crawled across my skin. I was not ready to learn about the events that transpired, and that was truly the scariest part. I'm sorry, I had to pause because it sounded like my dog was about to throw up. Uh, the moment before actualization. These people have mentioned blood in my on my hands. I didn't know what it meant but I had a very vague idea that it meant my family getting hurt. I thought they got my dad. When I got to him, I saw that he was on his knees, crying. Cash was killed. Killed the dog. He was hit by a car. There he lay, goofy pointed ears, his absurdly silly dog beard, black staring eyes and hanging tongue, stationary, forever. I saw that his center torso had been collapsed and I could see openings in his rear side, his ribs jutting out, his entrails. Son! 
Jason! My dad cried out as he turned to hug me. Jason! It's okay. <laughs> Jason? Uh, it's okay. He quickly led me... He quickly led me back to his house. Into the house. Away from Cash's lifeless body. Away from my best friend. Dead and mutilated by the side of the road. The last thing I remember seeing as I was brought into the house was a large pickup truck driving slowly by. Driving by slowly. I saw the same two bald men as old as dad staring at me through oddly slim glasses. I saw blood uh, on their front right tire and I saw the right driver point directly at me. Oof. They had to go and kill a dog in this story. Yeah. Um, I don't like how they're describing the dogs in trails, blah, 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 because you wouldn't actually want to talk about that. No, it's like, I feel like it doesn't doesn't need to go there. It doesn't need to go there. We just, the, the fact that the dog is dead is enough, you know? Yeah. Like, saying that it's lifeless is enough. Like, let me away from Cash's lifeless body, that's enough. That is enough. And more more doesn't help, so it hurts. This is a case where less is more, for sure. And otherwise, a pretty competently written story. Cash's death was my fault. As I said it out loud, my dad held me tight and said, with stone-cold certainty, that it wasn't my fault. As sometimes these things happen. He told me exactly what you would expect a father to tell his kid when their pet is killed in a random and seemingly pointless accident. But I knew better. The people in the woods killed Cash. And it was all because I didn't do what they said. It was because I was a coward. His blood was on my hands, just as they said it would be. When I went into my room to master cry, um, I saw outside my window a man in the center of the backyard. A man with no shirt on. He was wearing a mask made out of a severed goat's head, hollowed out on the inside. In the daylight, it was far more disturbing to see, because I could almost smell the lack of sanitation it had to have exerted. I could see that it was surrounded by flies, but even worse than that, I saw a note it was holding up. A piece of paper with a single word written across it. Midnight. Marinara. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, Um, shit. Oh, shit. I really like the oh shit channings that we did, like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. There you go. Um, I saw outside my window a man in the center of my backyard. <laughs> uh, Sugar Hill Gang. I couldn't handle it. I ran outside to chase him down, but when I got outside, it was gone. My hate and anger somehow superseded my guilt and sadness because I ran far into the woods before realizing that this time, if I got lost, I wouldn't have cash to lead me back to the house. It would be... I would be all alone, no. I would have whatever was out there with me. I would feel eyes in here. I could I could feel eyes in here. I could feel eyes everywhere. My every move was being watched. My... From the autumn canopy to the brushes just yards away I knew I was surrounded in here and as my senses came more clear from the adrenaline fueled rage I was experiencing I realized it was getting stronger by the minute 
Dun dun dun. Then I noticed the smell, the stench. At the time, I thought it smelled like bad milk or bologna left in the refrigerator for too long. It was strong, too strong. My eyes began to water, and I could feel my stomach begin to turn. How could a smell be so painful to endure? Then it occurred to me. They killed my best friend. Don't know why this was just occurring to me now. <laughs> there was only one more... Oh, there was only one more life they could take. My dad's. I mean, fuck mom, right? The my presence became stronger. The presence became stronger. I could hear whispering in the wind. The smell grew more powerful with every breath. Any second, I was certain I would be overwhelmed by God knows what. I realized that if I didn't do what they demanded of me, I would be taken here and now. What could I have done? I shook my head and began to cry. Okay, I'll do it. The relief was instantaneous. The woods became brighter. The smell was gone. The feeling of being watched replaced by what could only be described as serene. The forest went from a den of unspeakable terror to a place of, well, it was just woods again. Just as it always was. Same as it ever was. Same <laughs> as it ever was. Good Talking Heads reference. <clears throat> I came back home and helped my dad dig Cash's grave. Poor Johnny Cash. We said our goodbyes and buried him. He made up a cute dog bone shaped tombstone out of a leftover out of leftover wood from his old workshop, and that was that. My mom came over that day, and all of us went out to dinner at Undisclosed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Denny's. Red redacted. The food was the best I ever had. We gave Cash a little toast, and that was that in the back of my mind. Midnight. Midnight. Wait, what? And then and then the mom was like. Well, that wouldn't have happened if I took the dog. Oh, man. I'm just saying. When it said if we gave Cash a little toast, yeah, I suddenly thought, like, when at the undisclosed, there was, like, a glitch in the Matrix, and we jumped to another universe where Cash had never been killed. And we were giving him bread. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the name of the, um... Scotty under the table. From the restaurant in Season 3 of Rick and Morty. Oh. I don't remember. Season 2. Oh, Season 3, right. Sorry. Is it Schnickies? Oh, no, that's an actual place, Shoney's. Shoney's. Yeah. <laughs> We're still in the Shoney's. Cash is alive. <laughs> He's eating toast from Shoney's. <laughs> uh, 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 I spent another silent night, holy night, staring at my clock, watching the numbers transform into the next every 60 seconds. You know, how clocks work. <laughs> The wait was antagonizing. Mm. The wait was agonizing. Each passing minute was like a minute removed from my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's what minutes are. <laughs> Every minute is you being closer to death. This podcast is taking a turn. Um, <laughs> that night, I was certain that I was going to die, and I was trapped. They would have killed my parents if I tried anything. Killing Cash made that entirely too clear to me. 1155, 1156, 1157, 1158, 1159. Oh, God. I looked out the window 
They were all there, side by side. <laughs> Shadow people with the goat and the sinner. The rise on me. I looked at the clock. It's midnight. I looked back out the window. They were all gone. They knew. They knew it was going to come out tonight. They killed my dog. Capital K killed my dog. And then threatening to kill me on the spot after I followed him into the woods. They knew I was broken. My spirits shattered, and that I was more afraid of what would happen if I didn't come out over what had happened if I did. I grabbed the candle and walked into my backyard. The darkness was thick, thicker than usual, and the smell. Sour milk, spoiled lunch meat, blood, rot, decay, shit, puke, bile, death. My skin began to crawl, and a shiver took me over. Breathing became difficult. My palms were sweaty, knees weak, arms were heavy. (laughs) I could scarcely make out the forest before me. It wasn't just an entrance or a boundary. It was a living, breathing thing, and it was anticipating my every movement. As I took a step into my yard, a jolt of terror shot through me as I passed through the motion sensors and activated the backyard light. There was relief in the light. Safety, at least, for a little while, anyways. I I I peed myself. Uh, the the story like I thought it took a turn into like Metal Gear for a moment. It's like I hit the trip wire. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Uh, it's like the darkness was thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Darkness. No parents. Um, I used my father's lighter to spark up the candle. I planted it in the cold, dewy grass and sat uh, sat down nice and slow. And planted it nice and slow into the uh, ready to cross my legs. I never sat in the full position that I was instructed to because as I was in the process of sitting down, I saw it. Uh, re- real quick, can we address, like, uh, it wasn't... It wasn't just an entry or a boundary. It was like a living, breathing thing uh, mm-hmm. referring to the woods. Oh, my God, that's great. Yeah. Because that's how it feels. Yeah, and it's not untrue. Mm-hmm. I mean, woods are full of plants and shit. <laughs> and trees, lots yes. of trees. Yes, David, thank you. <laughs> Don't forget, the forest through the trees. The forest through the trees. Two green eyes. Have you ever shined a light directly into an animal's face way off in the distance in the dead of night? At a, distance, at a distance where it was too far away to make out what it looks like, but not far enough for their eyes to not catch and reflect the light, that's exactly what I saw. It said it seemed to be high above the ground, higher than a coyote's height, and higher even than a human's height. I swear it was high as a kite. It appeared to be pacing back and forth in the woods. I could hear the leaves shuffling with each step it was taking constantly coming in and out of existence due to the unseen trees eclipsing those glowing shards of light, those glaring eyes. They must have been reflecting off of the backyard light. I could hear it breathing. It sounded painful to me. The air came out in short, sporadic breaths, and when it did, I felt the huffs of frozen air rank with that rotten stench go right through me. I don't remember how long it paced like this, never leaving the outskirts of the woods, never breaking eye contact with me. Every now and then it would stop and lower closer to the ground until its eyes were level with me. 
It would remain in that position, like a cat low to the ground, prepping to pounce its prey. It would only stay in this position for ten seconds at a time before it would rise back up and pace more. After it did this several times, I realized something was stopping it. The light. I was dumbstruck, frozen in place. My throat was so tight. The airway was bar- the air was barely getting into me. Uh, he's choking already. <laughs> Knees weak, arms are heavy. Uh, barely getting out of me. There was a powerful sense etched within my soul that any sudden movement would have sent this unspeakable thing into a frenzy at me, light or not. I didn't know if it was going to outright kill me here in the backyard or if it was going to drag me into the woods and eat me alive there. I didn't know what the relationship was between this and the psychopaths that ordered me out here. What I did know was that each with each movement it was getting it wasn't getting me it was getting matter I couldn't let it get me I couldn't I couldn't let it get take me away don't let me get me I'm my own worst enemy theoretically I was safe in the light except the thing was that was that this motion sensor ran light ran on a timer I knew the timer would soon run out, and when it did, the light would go, and nothing would stop it from getting me. With all my courage, all my willpower, I forced myself to stand up, letting out a hoarse breath. A hoarse <laughs> breath. <laughs> the eyes immediately stopped moving, and when it saw me stand, I couldn't tell you for certain. But it was almost positive they narrowed. The prospect of me escaping infuriated it to such a level that it began to stalk towards me. I could tell it was moving forward, threateningly, showing a willingness to brave the light. I took a step back, and when I did, it took a swift step forward. I could almost see its tall, its shape. Tall, thin, bony, too dark to distinguish any specific features, except, well, it had horns. Large, curled, spiral-like horns. Or at least it looked like it did. I don't remember running back to the house. I don't remember making it inside. I don't remember anything after the point where the light shut off. It was sudden, as if death caught me. The timer was up. The light shut down and enveloped me in darkness, and I recall hearing it scream. It sounded like a child denied its toy. Or was that me? When the light died, I fucking ran. It was hours later when I came to my senses. My dad was holding me. My mom was there, too. I was crying. Later, they told me that I was screaming, don't let it get me, over and over again, don't let it get me. I don't remember myself. I never saw that creature again. I never saw the man with the goat mask again. The two old men in the pickup truck, I never saw them again either. That day forward, I always slept with my window shut. So I'm assuming if the mom's there, something went terribly wrong for the dad to call over the mom and be like, hey, we need to be divorced parents together and parent this child together. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like... Wow. The next day, my dad and my mom took me outside to explain that nothing had happened. We saw displaced grass mixed with mud. We even saw gore marks on the trees. I thought this would be evidence enough to plead my case, but it, it wasn't. My dad immediately laughed at me, telling me he figured the whole thing out. Hmm? I was about to say, what a dick. Yeah. I had an encounter with a deer. 
Those markings in the tree were from antlers, and it charged at me because it felt threatened. There was such a convenient explanation that I fucking wished to God that it was true, but I knew otherwise. Several weeks later, I heard that there was a missing person search that took place in those woods. But I myself haven't seen nor heard anything at the time. Uh, my dad and my therapist insisted that this knowledge would only enable my tendencies as a schizophrenic, so they stopped me from looking into it. Yes, I was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia disorder. They said I got into it. They said I got it through my inability to cope with the divorce. <laughs> they told me that I had retracted into a delusion because I felt responsible for the my family's collapse and that my youthful, underdeveloped mind couldn't process the guilt properly. That these cultists and their beasts, their beasts were just agents of personal symbolism, something like that. For a while, I believed everything they told me. The lies felt safe. The lies were comfortable. Don't believe the lies. Scientology. I, you know, the, those Scientologist Mormons with their goat heads. Um, <laughs> and their ginger ale. So, Guys, I really want I, ginger ale now. It's bothering me how much I actually yeah, want to get ginger ale. Got to get some good S-tier ginger ale. <laughs> I feel like um, this this is a kind of payoff that, I, that I'm enjoying. I like the idea of him being diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia because he's dealing with all of these different issues and they don't necessarily feel like they're connected in a logical way. Mm -hmm. Like, why would these men have these slim glasses? What does it have to do with, you know, like it's all kind of disparate stuff. And our narrator has shown that they feel guilty for things that they don't, that they're not responsible for. Uh -huh. But like we were talking about that earlier. Um, yeah. 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 It doesn't, it, they don't have the best ability to place blame and come to terms with these kinds of things. So the psychologist, whether they're right that this person is a paranoid schizophrenic or not, the the criticisms that the 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 diagnosis that the therapist is giving is a very sensible one, because that's how it it would appear to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like if you if you're the parents, whatever they're being assholes, but the therapist is probably right with the way that everything has been described to the therapist. Right, I think the saying that it developed because of the divorce feels a little odd to me. I'm not sure uh, how plausible that actually is when it comes to a diagnosis. Dude, some people can like deal with divorce and it drives some people crazy. And No, no, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that divorce is implausible and as a way to say this is what I, uh, this is uh, something that would really deeply get in under your skin, but enough to cause you to become to cause you to become a paranoid schizophrenic? Um, I it it doesn't sound far fetched to me. It's a little far fetched to me, but I can roll with it. I may have to do like I'm kind of I kind of want to do the research. Like I kind of want to know like this, is this a really reaching diagnosis or is this something if, that is like more plausible? I can I can accept it in this context of the story, but I kind of wonder. I feel. Um, well, even if it doesn't make sense, you could, and and I think it does, but even if it doesn't make sense, you can kind of bullshit it away with, like, maybe it was a shitty therapist. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I right. mean, is it... There, my... there are shitty therapists in the world. 
My my general consensus with therapists and creepypasta is more often than not they tend to be shitty, but that's usually because the story is shitty. This is not a shitty story, so um, it's kind of hard to tell. But and it's it's that it's that animal part of my brain that has been trained on these stories to think if it's a therapist and it's given a diagnosis that's contradictory to what's been experienced, usually it's a bad diagnosis and it's going to do more harm than good. But again, again. Again, this is a this is a story that's actually been crafted pretty well. So yeah, I am more inclined to accept it. I just have to silence that part of me that says go with the obvious trope that is we've seen before. So yeah. Anyway, is it Alan's turn? Yep. It is Alan's turn. Several years later, they would tell me that I would have made a full recovery. It was an easy process since I never had another encounter again. At that point in time, I was so angry, I just told them what they wanted to hear. That that sounds believable. I could see that. Um, yeah. They told them all the things that they want to hear because it's true. Ay, 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 that's what I like about you. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> when I became old enough, I severed all ties with my parents and moved out of state. Once I was on my own, I looked into the town's archives and researched as much information as I could about that era when I was nine. The missing persons report, the manhunt in those woods, lasted several days, and all they found was one man. He was torn apart, limb, all, his limbs removed, his organs missing. They f- found that he was wearing a particular mask, the head of a ram, but its innards were carefully carved and hollowed to fit over a human head. They were removed... Uh, when they removed the helmet, they saw that he died with an expression of absolute horror. I took pleasure in that. Mm. This is the song of the hungry goat monster, lady, oda, lady, oda, lady, Get him, boys. A snack time, boys. I would like to believe that these men were cultists, that they were attempting to appease some unseen, unnamed god, a god that absolutely should not have existed, a god that had no right to walk among man, and that during their attempt to appease it, I had botched the ritual by breaking an important piece of the process, the doll, and in their attempt to salvage it, they forced me into offering myself up as a sacrifice to it. But its failure to do whatever it was going to do to me that night destroyed the whole operation. I would prefer to believe that in the name of vengeance, this angry thing turned on its own worshippers, killing them all and dragging them all back to where they ever it came from. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Hmm. Uh, that gives this story, like, one major interpretation, and I think it puts too neat of a bow on it, maybe. But... But, um... Also, this character has had a lot of time to think about what was going on. True, true. Yeah. Why would they give him a candle, then? Because uh, if they if they want him to if die, it's afraid, if it's afraid of the light, yeah. Well, they don't want they don't want him to, yeah. Anyway, anywho's the last paragraph might clear what might be the who who who, who can make sense of the actions of Mormon cultists? Right. <laughs> there is just one thing I still couldn't figure out. Why is it? No matter where I go, when I'm all alone, in quiet places, 
in the dead of night. Why can I still hear them chanting that unholy sermon that I heard so long ago in the woods when I was nine? I think that's kind of a kind of a lackluster ending. Yeah, I it's a little neat, but then the chanting it's it's weird because there's there's definitely problems with this story, but oh my god, does it get atmosphere right? Oh, the atmosphere yeah. is is fantastic. <laughs> Pretty um, much nails it on that front. Yeah, I care a lot about atmosphere in stories, and that's why I started to dig this one as we got further and further in. Um, weak ending, but otherwise, um, pretty neat. Pretty neat. A uh, long piece. I think they could have shortened it a little bit. Honestly, I think there's some bits. That yeah, could, yeah. That could be truncated uh, for sure. Yeah, there, there's some repetition in here that doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. It feels like um, it, but you can't do that too much because it did develop an atmosphere. But it's like I would. I, I'm trying to remember. They may be like say like the dad didn't believe him like seven times, and it's like. At three times, we'll we'll get the picture that the dad is just like dismissing this shit. Seventh times the charm when it comes to disbelieving dad. Disbelieving dad, disbelieving deaf dad. <laughs> A ghost. No, no dad. dad. That's just Laparka. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not. Um, I'm still not convinced that our narrator isn't Dusty Rhodes, though. Yeah. This sounds like an insane Dusty story. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty, you got a bicycle. Dusty, we need to stop. You need to stop telling the story and get back to calling the match. But you don't understand. No, my dad really didn't believe me. I, well, man, that is not Dusty at all. No, you have really uh, clean floor. Even, even during the match, <laughs> even during the match, was, Dusty was Billy Mays. <laughs> I was, even during the matches, Dusty still hears the chanting, but instead yeah. of from the woods, it's from the it's from the audience. You fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up. Uh, well, let's put let's put a let's put a uh, the final pile of grave dirt on this story. Uh, let's give it our freshness ratings. I give it a, a lukewarm. Ginger ale in a bowl. I give it a decent meal in a really nice restaurant. I give it the first dish ever cooked for you, made with love, maybe a little clumsy, but made with love by a teenage Blair Witch. Mm. I give it Florida out of Georgia. Featuring Luke Bryan. I give it a ghost out of La Parca. I give it La Parca punching a guy who's trying to take his mask off. And I give it a on a roll, out of holiday roll. That was an enjoyable read. That was actually it was. good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, Abysme, thank you for sharing this story with us. 
And if you want to check out what Abysme does, I'm going to give him this plug because I can. Uh, Raygun Readers. You've probably heard him on the show before if you've listened to us for a while. If not, there's a couple episodes he and Paprika, uh, co-host of that show, have been on. Uh, good podcast, uh, worth listening to, and also a fellow Benview podcast. So, shout out. <coughs> uh, I still have a Patreon. Uh, still? Even after yeah. all these days? Has it I, hasn't gone down in the interim? Right. Still still there. Uh, just go to Patreon, search for Alan Cheney. That should be me. Um, if it's not, uh, I am sorry. Give the money anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and uh, aside from that, r- random-ass plugs, uh, listen to the album Spirit Phone by Lemon Demon. Mmm. Good album. Good, good, al- good album. I actually just listen, uh, I listen just to my, Here uh, Comes. Listen to Here Comes the good, Here's to the Good Times by Florida Georgia Line, <laughs> featuring the single "This Is How We Roll." Listen to those back to back and nothing else. The entire time we're recording this episode, Brandon was listening to that on loop, on loop, and didn't stop listening to it. <laughs> The whole mixtape has got a little Hank and a little drink. <laughs> the only plug I'm going to make is, uh, holy shit, you guys, you know what I just realized? What? This is our 99th episode. Mm. What? Yeah, so we're going to have to do something special because the big, uh, big 100's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> No, I felt I could use a little music. <laughs> that's that's the fanfare, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I have something. Um, join us on um, join us next uh, Friday, everybody, when uh, we finally tackle a certain story or a certain topic that you've all been waiting for. I'm sure for the big for the big 100. In the meantime, I got to start gathering some resources. So guys, and guess and guess what? what? We're going to do it live. We're going to record it and then we're going to post it later. <laughs> so no one can hear it as it's happening, but it'll be live for us. It'll be live yes. for us. So if we're going to get ready for this, we need to go Ah, <laughs> oh, uh... fuck. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.